We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. We are back with what will probably be our final TED Talk of the year. We're putting a bow on Ted Lasso Season 2 and, of course, had to have my co-host from For the Win, where you can find all the content. It is Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. How is the content over at For the Win? Is the content being nurtured, being put out there? (laughs) All of it's it. better than ever. <laughs> we have we've been expanding our staff a lot lately because we brought on the betting site, um, bet for the win. So just head over to ftw.usatoday.com and read lots of great content. Yeah, bet for the win featuring Caroline Darney, who's been yes. on this podcast to talk to Ted Lasso a few times. And if you're a fan of Caroline, stay tuned. Might have some some more Caroline coming in in December. Um, also a little housekeeping on this podcast end. If you are someone who has enjoyed these Ted Lasso episodes or the the normal sports movie episodes, or you're just you're just feeling generous to the season, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports and support the show. Uh, shout out to our producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, and Chris Mikoski. You will be hearing from our patrons later in this episode, actually. But if you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, you can support the show. And then you you get to vote on movies and what this show covers. Patrons are pretty much picking the entire slate for December. We're letting the inmates run the asylum at this point. Uh, they're voting on a Christmas movie. They're going to vote on a regular sports movie. I'll probably throw out another poll. I'm just, I've, I'm all out of decision-making. So I'm just letting the patrons do it. They pick what they want. Um, they also pick the patrons choice episode. And if you join at a certain tier, you get a sticker. It's a great sticker. Patreon.com slash big screen sports. We appreciate all the support. Uh, let's roll in to Ted Lasso, our season two recap. We we started this journey with season one going once a week, recapping that with the lens of we had seen the whole season and we're, we were talking about each episode. With season, we rolled right, right into season two and that we were doing week by week, 
So no, no screeners, no, no looking ahead, no anything week by week. We've now had some time to digest. How for you is this season sitting when you've had a, like a month or two to kind of think back on this? What, what comes to mind when you think about Ted Lasso season two? What I think is funny is like my group of friends who I all, as we know, bleed into watching the show, usually every day or so I'll be talking to one of them. Um, and I have a cold by the way. So if I'm coughing during this, just roll with it. Pretend like this is natural. Um, <laughs> and I will bring up some random part of the show. Like, Hey, remember that scene? It'll be something just not even relevant, like not in the top moments. Just like, remember how they did that? Wasn't that cool? Like, do you remember, um, you're an SNL fan, right? <laughs> do you remember yes. the Chris Farley show? How the whole premise of that was just Chris Farley bringing actors on and, and people like Paul McCartney and stuff. And his questioning would be like, do you remember when you were in the Beatles? That was so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> like, that's how I feel about how I've processed it. It's just like, I really have walked away from it. I haven't rewatched anything um, since it ended. I think I rewatched the finale like right after it happened, but I, I just kind of walked away from it. But I think it was powerful. I think it's certainly different from season one in that when season one ended, I was like rewatching immediately. I just wanted to see all of it all over again. I can't do that with the season because it was too much. And it was really emotional. And it's a good thing, but it's not, I'm not exactly eager to go back and go through all that again. Yeah. This season had a lot more weight than season one. Um, it's to me, it's just incredible how how perfectly they followed up season one, especially after all the hype leading in, because it, it was so much like because of people like you who bullied people <laughs> into watching Ted Lasso and because of this gradual kind of wave that built, the hype was so big going into season two versus if everyone had watched it, you know, right when it dropped season one. And then we, we all waited this year, but it's, it's kind of like it was kind of crescendoing into season two and they, they landed every single beat. It's it's really an incredible achievement. And also, it sets us up for this great season three. We have, obviously, they've given us kind of a big bad, but also possibly this big redemption arc coming. Um, and it, it's, it just took every little bit of what made season one really good. Um, the, the funny jokes, the quips, the, the emotional side, um, you know, father and children relationships, which is a big theme of the show. And it just amped everything up. Like in a show about fathers and children, it gave us the entire season essentially was about that. We, uh, we got insight into Ted and his son, Ted and his players, especially Jamie and Nate, Nate and his father, Sam and his father, and Phoebe, just all of these relationships that they built out over 12 episodes. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you're absolutely right. And I think it was triumphant and it was magnificent and I love it. It's just, I don't know where we go with season three. And I don't mean that they've written themselves into a corner. I mean, they could go in so many different directions. And I think, you know, a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of my friends, a lot of the patrons, they all have really interesting theories for where this could go. And I think it's amazing how they've opened up this world of possibilities where none of us really have a clue what's going to happen outside of these theories of like, obviously Man City and Richmond being pitted against each other in some way. And now we know like the Premier League has, um, what am I trying to say? They 
what am I? What am the I licensing. They've Thank got you. the <laughs> Premier League. The Premier League licensing, which, which unfortunately, so I think, tired. I think you were the one who told me that they broke that news like a week before the finale. Yeah, they did. I was. <laughs> I can't believe. I'm just very tired. I was sitting here and I kept saying in my head, "The marketing rights." <laughs> like that's not. That's not it, Alex. Just get it together. Um, but yeah, so I think like in terms of the sports side. I think we all have a better idea of what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with any of these relationships or friendships or anything. And that's wild to me. Mm-hmm. Especially because we're assuming like what we've been told is season three is it, right? That's what we've been told. But, and I need to, I need to do better research on this. I did read an interview. I can't remember if it was Jason or Bill who said, you never know. Even though, like, I believe the question was, so it's over after three seasons, right? Like, well, I don't know. So, I mean, I think it is one of those things. They don't want it to jump the shark. And when I think about Bill Lawrence in general, you know, I was a huge Scrubs fan. And I think probably something that, like, he he should be very proud of that show. It was a wonderful show. But if you're a true fan, no one counts the last season as part of the show. It's like it really ended the season before. I don't think Bill would want to do that again. Not that he's calling all the shots, but just I I see so many parallels with these shows and the production, the writing and everything. So I know they wouldn't want to overdo it, but I do think a lot of us are going to be sad when it's over. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is, too, like, are you using Apple Plus much other than Ted Lasso? Like they they just (laughs) rolled out the new Tom Hanks movie, which I don't. I know I'm going to have to make a significant crying investment to see that. And I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ready for that right now, but I, we don't really use it much besides Ted Lasso. So it could be a situation where Apple's like, we're still trying to make this thing work. We will back up the Brinks truck and pay. I mean, if you get like friends money, but adjusted for inflation, I, it's tough to turn (laughs) down. Yeah. Like the thing is though, and we always talk about the writing, right? And how everything's intentional and how even when Apple asked them last season, we didn't ask them, told them, like, you're going to have two extra episodes. They weren't even willing to change the writing of the season to accommodate that. They were like, this is what we've built. This is the structure. This is the cadence. This is the pacing. We're just going to do the bottle episodes and we'll be done. And so it's hard for me to believe that knowing what we know about the lead up into season three, that they wouldn't already have this very planned out now we know how tv is we've seen a lot of stretches i mean even in movies look at x-men we've seen a lot of things that are like retconned later i don't think they would do that with this but um i don't know i don't know i don't think it's quite movie material i mean we would all watch a Ted oh yeah i mean i went to go see the entourage (laughs) movie like yes i would go see a ted lasso movie i would totally but it almost like to me that feels a little hokey for, for a show like this that has done such a good job at avoiding tropes, both like with the story it tells and just with the show itself, like deciding on its own, we're going to be three and done, whether they stick to that or not. Like, I think it's always been clear from the beginning about the story, the kind of story they wanted to tell. And they saw a beginning and a middle and an end. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll get to some of the season three stuff or our thoughts when we get into like what the what the patrons uh, submitted when I, I kind of put out that we were doing this Ted Lasso recap, wanted to hear their thoughts and stuff. So we'll get into that. Let's actually take a quick ad break and then get back with our top five moments of the season. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. Um, so what Alex and I were going to do tonight and what I had tasked us with is, in retrospect, an impossible task. I am, I apologize for asking you to do this, to pick your top five moments of the season. Um, with how you put yours together, did you do like the top five, your favorites, what made you feel the best, what were the most important? How did you go about pulling from this incredible season and doing it in a five? Because I, I told you this I texted you this earlier today, but I, I do have a lot of honorable mentions. I just started writing shit down. Yeah. I mean, I could please five is very limiting for me. So what I did and what I think is probably the best method for me, because this is also how I write stories too. Like if I'm writing a long story, which I, I, in the process of finishing one, I've been working on for two years. So this story at the most might have like 2000 words, maybe a little shorter, I have two years of notes, two years of interviews, two years of research. There's no telling how many pages if you printed it all out, it would be. But when you sit down to write something like that, you have to think to yourself, how would I retell all of this to a friend of mine? Like, what are the things that are popping out of me and how do I string all that together? So I kind of approached this the same way, which was, it was kind of no rhyme or reason. I just, if I was going to talk to somebody about this season, what are the five moments I would have pulled out first, regardless of how they, whether they made me feel good or bad, just because they made me feel something. So that was my method. Yeah. Mine was just, I, I had one clear, absolutely including this as my number one. And then mine was like, let me think of all the stuff I liked. Let me, I, Jacqueline had to remind me of a bunch of, cause she said, you remember this? Did you remember this? And I was like, Oh no, I got to include that. Got to include that. I want to start with our number ones. A lot of times when I, I think do we have like the this, same number one, what I'm is sorry, your, what is your I'm pretty number sure one? We have this, the Roy, she's a, she's a rainbow yeah. when he's yeah. walking on the field. Yeah. That might be best. one of the best TV moments of all time. I agree. Hello coach. Really glad you decided. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me a coach. Just stunning. And and I could honestly, if you start that, if you want to tell me that that moment starts when he, like when he's on set 
and it starts with the speech about like we're not in there with them, not telling them that they can be better than they've you know ever been before or something like that. If you want to tell me that moment starts there, I'm fine with that because that from, <laughs> from that moment is is just literal perfection. It's incredible. Well, yeah, I think like other than just being artistically beautiful and well done in the writing and the shooting and music and everything else, um, that's the moment we really see Roy kind of let his guard down a lot, you know, and that's been an ongoing thing with him is he's got to break those walls down. We watched him do it with Keely. We knew that was a process. We hadn't seen him do it professionally because he was so in his mind about if I'm not playing anymore, then what am I doing? I'm kind of a buffoon if I'm on TV, even though he was really good at it. And to watch him finally like surrender and say, okay, this is what I have to do. And everything in the knee and the little kid with the ticket and the car and the guy with the, it was just wonderful. But I, you know, so I agree. Like that could be the whole moment when he walks onto the field, like just thinking about it makes me want to cry. It's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And the crowd starts chanting, like this show has not been built on big chill moments, like in traditional sports movies, that moment is an absolute, like as as anything i i'm a big sucker for people running out into a a cheering stadium like i think when we had michael yeah. jr on the podcast he talked about how that like playing at notre dame like that was the thing like running out in front of you know eighty thousand um people like that that moment for roy with that song playing and all in this episode where they've been doing this rom-com shtick and doing it mm -hmm. to perfection. And they even keep that going when they do the Jerry Maguire moment when he and Ted talk. I mean, and it's just perfect. And especially upon rewatch, you see that that starts our, our dear friend, Nate down, down a path. That's, that's a, a yeah. beacon of insecurity, but at, it's all about Roy at that moment. Like it just, it's stupendous. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I think it's so well done. And I love it. And that's, yeah, I've always loved that song. I mean, who doesn't? And it's been used countless times, but there's no way I'll ever hear that song again and not think about that. It's mm -hmm. permanently tied there now. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things now that will make me think of Brett Goldstein, possibly <laughs> the coolest person on the planet. Like, I know. Couldn't have more Brett. Like, I, I'm loaded up with Brett Goldstein stock, Glenn Powell stock. Um, I saw the French dispatch today. I've got all my Adrian Brody stock back. Like they're just the, but he's in top tier for me right now. Brett Goldstein. Yeah. We love him. Love him. Okay. So now here's where it gets tricky. Cause there's a million other moments in this season. What is your number two? Uh, the scene where he draws Keely the bath. The, uh, with the Roy is sorry playlist and Roy is, Roy is sorry for not understanding Keely's <laughs> I just, the whole episode, and I'm sure it's all a blur at this point, but if I was being honest when we did this podcast for that episode, it, it was profoundly uncomfortable for me because it's cringy. It's cringy watching Roy be clingy and it's cringy seeing these two not really clicking and they're having kind of an off moment, you know? And, you know, and then we see the big scene with the fight and the sex in the city and she cries it was just terrible but I just thought the bath scene was so beautiful and it wasn't overdone and it wasn't romantic in a way that was unattainable it didn't feel you know cheesy or corny or unrealistic and I just loved it and he's like I just want you to have something nice for yourself he could that's the thing too I mean they're both they have a lot of money they can buy each other things all day long mm -hmm. he could have just thrown some jewelry at her bought her a car or god knows what else 
you just ran her a bath, you know? And I mean, ran her a bath and gave her space and like, just what he listened. Yeah. He he listened and he said, you take time for yourself. I'm going to go away. And like, that's really all we want, right? Is just to be understood and heard and for somebody to acknowledge, like, I'm sorry if I was inconsiderate, but I hear that I'm being that way and I want to try to fix it. I loved it. Yeah. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff from Roy. Um, my number two is, um, it's like the exact opposite of the She's a Rainbow thing in terms of how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. It's the back and forth before the funeral, the the scene that we talked, probably the most powerful scene, I would say, of the season still. It, after, after watching everything, I still think that the Hannah, Rebecca and Ted going, you know, cutting back and forth about... Um, you know, Ted, Ted talking to Dr. Sharon about his father's suicide, uh, Rebecca talking to her mother about catching her dad cheating. It tells us a lot about their relationships with their father, with other people. Um, in terms of character development importance, I think this was the most important character development scene of the season and just like masterfully done. I think we said it at the time that this, this is like, this wins them both another Emmy. Oh yeah. I mean, if not, I'll be very sad about that. But yeah, I think you have these two, this parallel thing happening where you have Ted really breaking down his walls for Dr. Sharon. And like, we're finally getting to the core of both why he hurts and both why he derives joy from a lot of things, you know, um, with Rebecca, we know that like the sole focus on her in season one, all of her behavior and her intentions and her motivations were based on the fact that she had been cheated on. She had been deceived by a man. And then this scene shows us a deeper understanding that like she's been dealing with those kind of feelings her whole life, that she saw the same thing happen to her mom. She obviously felt very resentful toward her father. And then the same thing happens to her down the line. And so I think, yeah, it's a big moment for both of them in different ways that have different conclusions and results. But um, yeah, it's hard to think about this season. That was my number three, by the way. Yeah, I mean- with with Ted, it tells us everything about his ethos. The thing when he said he was never going to let someone get you know get by him without knowing if something was bothering them. And I think when you go back to the confrontation he has with Nate at halftime in mm-hmm. the season in the season finale, and he you know Nate has wronged Ted in in a severe way, and Ted's whole line of questioning is, "I think you you know I think you have something." It's not Ted's not angry at Nate. He's like, I think you have something that you want to tell me, or I, I want to know what I did to you, but it's how Ted is saying, like, I, I need to know how to help you. I need to know how to fix this. And it's, you know, Nate tells him this thing and about, you know, made me feel important and then abandoned me. And I tried to get your attention back and a lot of deep seated issues from Nate. And Ted's whole thing is I'm, you know, I'm sorry, Nate. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I did that. And it, this all goes back to that is that Ted, Ted's whole thing. Ted is able to put pride aside in a lot of ways. And just, just because of that ethos of, I just want to help the people that I care about. I want to help anyone who is and and Nate is, Nate is the same thing to Ted as one of his players. He's someone that he's mentored. He's someone he cares about. And we, we see all that come through and because of the, his relationship with his dad and how that, how that ended. So that scene, I mean, just thinking about it is like, it's, they did that that scene on a, on a comedy show. They did that scene yeah. on a show that had an episode about rom coms. It, <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean that's kind of their theme, you know. Like it's weird. I don't even call it a comedy. Like it's a show that makes us laugh. 
I wouldn't call it a straight drama either. Um, but yeah, and I, I just my only other point about that scene is we realized then that she's resented her mother for years for staying with her dad. And so clearly we see this dynamic of she saw her as weak, you know, not very strong-willed, willing to cave and saw maybe saw like a dynamic between her and herself. Like she was the one who left and talking about Rebecca, she left and she made a life for herself and she triumphed. But is she that much better off after all of it? Does she feel you know, less alone. And I think it was a really powerful moment just because parent kid dynamics are strong. And when you become adults and suddenly you have to reckon with the fact that they're human and that they can make mistakes and still have been great parents to you, I think it's a tough thing to deal with. Mm -hmm. And the knowledge that children are not going to understand always when their parents are making the best decision for them. I mean, I think that's something that, that you and I have definitely had to go through. Um, yeah, it's, it, especially it, it, that scene when related to, we, we got Rebecca's mother earlier in that season and there's a lot of, I don't want to say like indifference, Rebecca feeling towards her mother, but there's definitely a lot of like dismissal of, oh, you know, she's just going to go back to him and, and all this stuff. And we get to see where that comes out. So with that being your number three, um, my number three is the Sam and the, the kind of the entire Dubai air thing, but really the, the, um, the duct tape over the Dubai air, uh, which is it, it develops Sam, who I think is is leading up to be an even bigger character in season three. But this is where he really steps into kind of the, the show's upper echelon. Um, it's important, you know, social commentary piece. Uh, it brings Jamie into the fold. Like that's that's something we needed that redemption for Jamie. Like the show needed that, um, and it it's really like really feel good. And again based off a really a parent's relationship with a with a son and 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 sam and his dad and and making that happen it really like just an awesome moment like a really really cool moment with the whole team doing that protest yeah i loved it and i love that my concern not concern but my thing was how are they going to follow it up and i know that and again i need to go back and rewatch it because i haven't revisited that i know a lot of us were like it was a great moment, but after that, they just switched to banter and it was like it never happened. And you remember that's where I first developed the theory that like Rupert and the guy who owns Dubai Air are gonna like come back. And I don't think obviously I was partially wrong, although Rupert did come back in the end to try to screw over Rebecca. I think the idea, you know, the theory of like everything has to have payback, even really wonderful moments that are totally right the way the story goes and the way that we kind of have the villains and the heroes placed, like no good deed goes unanswered. Do you know what I mean? And so even though like it was hard afterward to be like, what are they going to, how's that going to come back on them? It's not just going to be this happy um, ending with what happened. I think the way that they resolved Sam's storyline as an individual um, and, and resolved all of that was just really, really good and had him, you know, we, you know my feelings about the Sam and Rebecca <laughs> thing. I haven't made a secret of that. But the best thing they did was to end the season with him and him alone. Like, it's his journey. He didn't choose to stay there for her. And I really loved what they did with that character. And that scene was pivotal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the Sam's ending of, of purchasing that restaurant is... I'm I'm so excited for Sam as a character. I wish 
I wish so much that he was real because I would be like, man, I'm so I'd be so invested in this in this person as an actual human in his in his growth. Um, What was your number four? Um, The Jamie and Roy hug in the locker room. Also my number four. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was so emotional and like, you know, again, we have the father dad dynamics with his father coming in and just being belligerent and they got to punch him, blah, blah, blah. It's just, they were so smart about all of the interactions they had had with Roy and Jamie beforehand, right? So it was always combative, always combative. Whenever Roy walked up to Jamie before this, it was always to yell or to do something or, you know, it was always aggressive. And even though you knew in that moment, there isn't anything he could possibly do that was mean, there's still that tension when he walks toward him the way he does. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? And then he just hugs him and Jamie kind of, freezes then he finally gives in i think it was one of the most beautiful moments of the entire show we've talked at length about how the show combats toxic masculinity but i thought that was such a powerful moment and wasn't treated and it wasn't treated like oh two men are hugging and having you know what i'm saying and that show never does that they never um, make a spectacle out of it it was you could tell like there's a lot of love there and there was a lot of forgiveness there and um Roy, it's almost like both of them decided that they were going to love each other more than they hated each other. (laughs) And like, there was still that, um, there's still, I still think there's the tension there. And especially as the season ended the way it did with, um, Jamie and Roy, but ultimately like they love each other. And we saw that. I mean, just a few episodes prior to that, Roy had been on, I guess, I assume national television or whatever that is, uh, saying that he hopes Jamie, Jamie dies from the incurable disease of being a little bitch or whatever it is. Yeah. And then, and then they're having, they're having that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can say on that at that point. I mean, we're, um, we, we've come full circle with Jamie. There's nothing, you know, he, he, you know, he makes a, makes a slight hiccup, uh, a couple episodes later, but we're still, I mean, I I really would love to see Phil Dunster get some sort of nod in something because I think of main cast, he was one of the real, he was one of the ones that was really left out of the award season of people who got a lot of shine in season one. I would love to see him get, I don't know, some sort of some sort of recogni- recognition or something. Yeah, I think that it's more possible to see that now because in the first season he was just an asshole Mm -hmm. there was never a serious moment with him there's no depth to that yeah and this season we not only see him evolving but we really get into the root and that's an ongoing theme we get into the root of why he was the way he was not that it's an excuse not that we can say forgive everything this asshole has done (laughs) because he had a bad dad but that was the ongoing theme that's why ted brought him back because he's got Ted has so much guilt about both what happened with his own father and the fact that he feels like he's abandoned his son. And that's constantly with him. He's always aware of like, if you didn't come from a family that loved you from people who believed in you, it has so much effect on your life and how you see yourself and how you treat other people. Yeah. I mean, one of my honorable mention moments is that conversation between Ted and Jamie at the bar with the first time they're face to face in, in season two, when Jamie has kept the, um, you know, the, the soldier that, that Ted gave him and thinking back on that more. And especially since we've met, uh, Mr. Tart senior, um, 
I would imagine that might be one of the first times that a, a father figure has given Jamie something of like something that he can hold on to and something that that shows affection. And I'm he's another character that I'm actually I'm really excited to kind of let Jamie cook now because this whole season two was kind of this redemption and building him into this character that we can get behind. I'm actually because they're I get I mean from just a on field perspective, there Richmond is going to really need Jamie to compete in the Premier League, and he's going to really need to come into his own. Um, so I'm yeah very much looking forward to that. What is your your number five? Um. When Ted comes, okay. Oh, wait. Oh my gosh. Oh no. I forgot. I, this was a tie for me and I was going to decide tonight. And then I just forgot the other one. Okay. There are no rules I, here. You can, you right. can do whatever you want. It's tied then. Cause the, I cheated with my number five. You'll see. Okay, good. So what I have written down is the torn believe sign. When Ted walks back in and sees the signs been ripped. And I remember telling you this, I'm sure I said it on the podcast. I like the guttural reaction that I had to that. I nothing upset me more in that episode than seeing that because it's not just symbolically in the show what it represents. We know what it represents. We don't have to rehash that. And we know like how powerful it was when the team rallied around it. And to see Nate hate him so much to do that and hate everything that he represents and everything the club represents was just it was powerful and it was painful. And the first thing I thought of when I saw that scene is something that I say all the time, like the, you know, when you hate something, it's because you've in some way you've loved it so deeply, or you've loved some element of it so deeply because the opposite of love is indifference. Right. And you talked about being indifferent and dismissive. The opposite of love is it means nothing to you so you can move on with your life. Clearly, this is a man who is so angry and so resentful and bitter, and we know that. But I think like more than anything, every fan of the show has taken that sign to mean something to them. Like we all have our little belief signs up. Like there's one in my gym. I have one in my bedroom. Like it's such a symbol to us that I think they were very smart in how subtle it was from the beginning, but it was always there and it became this icon for the show. And then Nate just ripped it up. Well, in 10 minutes prior to him ripping it up, we have that moment of they're all in, you know, Ted saying all in before the second half and Isaac walks up to the believe sign and how, yeah. and that's like, boom, they all, they all buy. Cause I can, in season one, it was what it was Roy, like tapping it. We, we get to see that moment. This time is the entire team. The, the, the lasso ethos has, has won this locker room. And yeah. then Nate, 10 minutes later, Nate is so hurt and so bitter that he rips up like our, you know, the, the meaning of, of everything Ted stands for. Yeah. And it just, ugh, yeah, the, you, you did the guttural reaction. I did. Like it was, it was like, it was almost like being, it was like being offended. Like it was <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Well, I think, and I know we've talked about this either in text or on the podcast, but the thing about Nate is his lack of understanding of why Ted did what he did most of the time. He took everything at surface level and it's not that Nate's not a bright guy. Of course he is, but so much of his kind of transformation this season is because he just saw things on the surface. Oh, he's bringing in Roy, which means he doesn't like me as much. Or, you know, he's not 
talking to me as much. So clearly this means something. I can't have an espresso machine. So clearly that means I'm less than. And I think to him, I don't think he saw it as a symbol of hate. Like I really think Nate did that thinking it would change something. Like I'm going to take away something that's been powerful for you. Not realizing like, it's just a symbol. They can make another sign, man. And Mm -hmm. I just don't like, I'm I'm, I'll show you. Yeah. But I I truly don't believe he did that as a symbol. I I think he saw how powerful that sign was before um, the game ended. And again, he's not thinking about Ted's thinking, which is, it's just a sign. It's just stuff I put everywhere. So we have a point to look to, but it's what's behind it and the meaning behind it that matters. And I don't think Nate has grasped a lot of that. And I don't think, you know, we know he doesn't see the value in developing positive relationships. He doesn't see the value in not being mean or aggressive to motivate people. He doesn't see that. He's just like all the comments this season, like, we'll just remind him of his paycheck and, you know, being mean to Will. He sees, because again, of how he was raised and how he's been brought up, he just sees being cruel as the only way to motivate motivate anybody to do anything so there was just a lot behind that he doesn't realize that ripping that sign it doesn't make ted mad that nate ripped the sign it makes ted sad because he knows nate is hurting yeah that's and he knows that he has not been able to that because that's that's the thing that ted fears the most is letting someone get past him is hurting and not being able to help them it's why he never gave up on jamie it's why he'd, ne- he'd never give up on really anyone and that's that's what ripping that sign did is it, it made Ted hurt that Nate was hurting. And that's yeah. something that we'll, you know, we'll see if Nate can, can come to understand probably the big question about season three. What is your, what was your, your other number five? When um, Dr. Sharon comes back to the office and Ted is sitting on the couch, like, Oh, I forgot about that completely. I know that's There's why so I, much in the season. Like that's why my head just flipped. Cause I was like, I was just thinking about this a few days ago and I'm like, I'm going to have to decide between those two or change something. But you know, we talk so much about the silly parts of it, like the jacket that wasn't a scandal. It was just an overcoat and a jacket because I'm an idiot. (laughs) Correction, you talked about Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to put anything on you. Um, But, you know, it was still just such a powerful thing because he finally got to the point, you know, he has the panic attack on the field. And I think before we get this sense that even though like his panic attack in season one came on really strong. And I think, I think he has had a history of it, but that's when it got out of control where he couldn't control when it happened anymore. And he didn't understand his triggers. And so, and we saw, even after he started going to Dr. Sharon, like he was still skeptical. It took him three times of going in just to be okay with it. But clearly it scared him enough to where he thought like, I can't function anymore and I need her to help me. And he just, you know, he's on the couch and he looks so helpless and has no one to turn to. And he knows he can't fix it by being a beat or positive or making jokes. And, you know, we talked a lot last season about, I mean, this past season, not season one, about how something that was unsettling for me is how many of his jokes felt forced in the beginning, the first few episodes. And you know, naively, I'm like, oh man, they're just, they're really forcing it this year. They're just trying to, and it's not, they were telling part of a story that we didn't realize, like he was forcing it because his mental health was not great. So that, yeah, I I would say that's tied with a belief sign just because it's like a moment of total breakdown where you're like, where do we go from here? 
So the thing with, we talk about the big Ted and Dr. Sharon moments, like the him telling her about his dad's suicide and him calling her outside of Wembley Stadium and, and those big breakthroughs, none of those happen without the first, without the first, I need, I need to make an appointment with you. And that's for a lot of people. And like, for me, that was, that's the hardest thing to be like, I need to go to counseling. I need to talk to someone like that's swallowing a shit ton of pride. And especially someone like Ted, who has had this bad experience with it, like that moment of should realizing like he has a problem and knowing where to go and being in her office. Like that's, that's huge, yeah. huge for Ted. Um, my number five, I cheated. I did the entire Christmas episode. <laughs> Just that it's whole a, moment. It's, since it's a bottle, ep- since it's a bottle episode, I'm counting that entire thing as a moment. But like the, just the whole episode, like because of the circumstances that you said, they needed two more episodes, and they decided we, you know, we're just going to do these two bottle episodes, and they're like, let's throw a Christmas episode with no warning. And let's it's but it's it's not just like this fun standalone bottle episode that has no real, um, you know, n- nothing with the plot. It's not super heavy plot driven, but it fosters that Ted and Rebecca relationship even more, which is really important. Um, you get the team, the team bonding, because Higgins says before they start the party about, yeah, you know, we usually get a, you know, a couple players a year or something like that, but nothing big. And then suddenly the whole team's there and eventually at the end, pretty much everyone is there. Um, and then the Phoebe and, you know, Phoebe and Roy and, you know, we, we learned about sexy Christmas. That's huge. (laughs) I think sexy Christmas is going to be big this, this December. (laughs) I think we're going to see a lot of, we're going to see a lot of sexy Christmas Instagram posts. Totally. Well, with couples who don't have kids. Yes. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if parents will be doing it so much, but yeah, I think, I mean, I love the Christmas episode and it's funny because, um, one of my very close friends hated it. And he was like, when actually two of my very close friends, now that I think about it, and they kind of told me within the same two days and I was so annoyed. Why would you, first of all, okay, tangent for a second. Why on earth would you go to somebody when you know this is the thing they love most in the world and shit on it? I'm all for criticism, right? I love our conversations. I love when the listeners bring up other points. That's great. But why would you just go to someone and say this thing you love sucks? <laughs> I'll never get it. But so, yeah. So two of my close friends came to me within the same amount of time. They're like, can you believe they did a Christmas episode? I mean, this thing, it's it's like they don't even care about why people love the show anymore. And of course I had a lot of opinions, but miraculously I kept them quiet and I was like, okay, well, thanks for watching. Um, But you know, I think, see, I'm a big sucker for Christmas specials, like the old timey Christmas specials. I, I love when they still do them nowadays. Like Casey Musgraves had one. I love, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I love the holidays and I love this idea that no matter what's going on, what you're going through, that you get this respite once a year, no matter what you celebrate or if you celebrate at all, you still get like warmth and twinkly lights and parties and a few days off from work. And it's a time for everybody to come together. And I think that episode did such a great job at capturing that of like, let's just kind of forget about everything that's happening right now. Let's focus on these characters and these relationships I thought they did a great job. Yeah. It's uh like for a bottle episode that they had to force essentially, like it's it's perfect. Um, okay, I want to run through some of the honorable mentions just because there's stuff that like we that it's just great. Um, Roy struck by lightning speech. Ugh, how did I leave like, that? Episode out? one. 
it's it's so good it, the, the thing about that because i at first i was like that's on my list and then jacqueline was like it's really good but it doesn't it doesn't further the plot a ton it doesn't do a, do a lot it does help it does help rebecca kind of shoot for the stars those those stars being sam <laughs> but uh it's it's really really good i think you know it was the first episode and you remember i can't remember the circumstances but i had told you the day it premiered, I was like, I'm too tired. I really can't do it. I'm going to watch it in the morning. I just, I'm too tired. I don't think I had slept the night before something was going on working or something. And, um, (laughs) like an hour later I'm in bed watching it. And I think you texted me something just like exclamation points. Cause you knew I wasn't watching and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching it. And like, it was just, I think it was the thrill of the season being back, but also for Roy to come out the gate with a speech like that, that was so, it might not have furthered the plot, plot. And I completely agree with that, um, by the way, in terms of like, yeah, it planted seeds. Like we got Rebecca in the right mindset of he's fine, but you want better than fine. That's great. It was just very well written. And I feel like I reference that every day, like in some way, my, I have a friend and will say like, it's fine. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Lots of people are fine. <laughs> like It's fine. But yeah, I loved that. That was good. It's so so good. And like beard God, Brett Goldstein too. Cause that's when he's, he's letting it go a little bit. He's got the retired, retired guy beard. Uh, great, great stuff. Um, the, the Richmond super fans getting to run onto Nelson road in the middle of the night when beard sets him up, yep. just a beautiful, beautiful moment. It was great. And I loved the jokes that we and everyone else made about like the Apple music catalog because like fucking queen like it's just you get like the biggest moments of this season were provided by queen and the rolling stones and i love that yeah really really good stuff really glad i mean with the premier league money or like whatever they're doing with premier league and stuff like the the budget for season three is gonna go i mean yeah the special effects if they if they need something they're gonna be able to get it so i'm i'm excited about that um, Roy and Phoebe in the car when Roy tells that thing about when she gets, I think she gets in trouble for swearing yeah. and Roy's, you know, worried about, um, you know, maybe he's not being a good influence or maybe, you know, stuff like that. And she gives him the thing about, you know, you're teaching me how to stand up to bullies. And it's just that relationship is beyond sweet. I know. And I, I love seeing the three of them together when Keely's part of it. Cause you really see like these parental instincts out of them right you see like what their life would be like with a little kid but I think having someone like Roy not compared to what am I trying to say just portrayed against a child is so interesting because he's so gruff and so instinctively mean and not like hateful but he just knows exactly what to say to be mean because that's the life he's kind of grown up with and I, I wish I'd written this down. What's the line when he tells her, like, you're so much better than me. And she says, I'm as good as the best version of you or I'm, something like that. Something, something about that. Like, she's like the best, the best version of him. But that's like, that's what we want as parents. We just want our kids to be better versions of us. Of we want we them to have better life, better lives than we have. Be better than us. Like, take the things that we like about ourselves and also and prove on things we don't like about ourselves. And like Roy has that instinct, man, if Roy and Keely, not like throwing out a season three prediction, but if they have a baby, 
I feel like pregnancies are going to rise among Ted Lasso viewers just because like the the Brett Goldstein with the baby energy is just going to be out of control. It'll be insane. I don't know if we'll see a Broy and Keeley baby in season three, but there could certainly be like a pregnancy. You know, yeah. I'm not ruling that out. But no, I agree. I think kids have a way of showing you truths about yourself that are just shocking. And I'm not I'm not being um, not trying to be a cliche anyway. I'm not trying to be one of those moms that thinks everyone should be a mom and oh, children are a miracle. It's not the case for everybody. It's just not. Not everyone's meant to be a parent. <laughs> and I completely, oh, yeah. you know, and I completely agree with that. But I do think they just have a way with their innocence and their kind of wide-eyed optimism. They have a way of cutting through all the walls that you've built and all the barriers you've built and all the cynicism that you have to be like, hey, just chill, man. <laughs> Like I've learned a lot from my eight year old and I've been learning a lot from him for years. Yeah. No kids, kids teach you as good as well as the best teachers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll learn something watching him watch Transylvania three or whatever he's watching. It we watched <laughs> side note. We watched Clifford, the big red dog, the movie that they just Jacqueline has suggested that we should go to the theater and watch. Don't do it. Here's it's, <laughs> it's needlessly sad. And my only point of bringing this up, like it's not a great movie, but it's fine. I mean, it's fine, but what's funny. And this isn't a spoiler, but of course they have to create tension in the movie and like, Clifford's a big red dog, so he's going to be disruptive to society. And so society's like fighting back against him. And there are people who don't want him to be a pet. And tonight, Jack was like, you know what I think? I think this is like how our society decides that it's scared of different things. And when it's scared of different things, it like attacks them and it doesn't want to accept them. (laughs) He gets it. I just, I know. I'm like, yeah, man. You're right. I'm just going to bow out because you don't need me anymore, clearly. Anyway. Can he give us a one to five star rating of Clifford the Big Red Dog on the podcast <laughs> since he's since he's with us right now? Hey, Jack. <laughs> one to five stars. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Five. Instant. He said five. Yeah. Need to get him a letterbox to count. So I, know. He can, he... <laughs> I know. So I'm not recommending the movie officially, but if you have a kid who's easily impressed, take him to see the movie. <laughs> Um, okay. Last honorable mention, because we, again, like every episode, we haven't talked about this character at all. Higgins, uh, the roving desk bit for Higgins. (laughs) So funny. He's so accommodating, but like, here's the thing. In the first season, he was very much like pushover vibes, right? He was just sort of weak and he was, because he had done Rebecca a little wrong, he was willing to do whatever he wanted. And so it's easy to walk away from that thinking, Higgins, you're just a pushover. You're going to do whatever people want. In season two, I feel like he really established this personal strength where he shows where he's willing to bend, like with the desk. He's not going to march around and be like, I deserve a desk, even though he's the director of football operations. Then he's like, I'm fine with whatever. But you see him push back against things he believes in. You see him stand up for things like his family. You see him push back against Beard with the whole Jane situation. And he says, you're a great man. Does she make you greater? He's really held his own and shown that he's actually not a pushover. He just chooses his battles and he's willing to bend when it doesn't matter. And he's willing to stand up for things when it does. And we love Higgins. Yeah, we love him uh, being having his desk in the closet and having that conversation with Jamie when Jamie comes to get the tickets for his dad. And 
what what is it what does he say it's like because you know we're putting him here because if he's your father that makes him very important or something yeah. like that and that's and that's not that's not Higgins saying, oh, your dad is actually important. That's saying you, Jamie, you're an important person. You have value. Yeah. And and that was his point. He was saying these tickets are because we've done any measurement of who these people are. But if they mean something to you, they mean something to us. Mm-hmm. Higgins is great. The Christmas episode just shined. Absolutely just shined. Wonderful. <laughs> Family Higgins. Family Higgins shines. And I love that that's his wife in real life. So I, I believe in my heart that's what they're like in real life. It's just natural. It's, it's excellent. Excellent stuff. Okay. I want to get to, we're, we're obviously running long as we do on a 30 minute TV show. I know. Uh, so our, our wonderful patrons in the big screen sports Patreon, I kind of put out a call, send theories, send questions and stuff for to talk about. We're not going to get to everything that was, that was sent in, but maybe we'll, we'll, I mean, we're going to do more Ted Lasso content at some point, especially before season three, or maybe, maybe I'll roll in some of this stuff that we didn't get to into this month's patron choice or something like that. But, um, Chris Mykoski, he asked, do you anticipate any flashback episodes next season? I'd love to see Danny during his time with Tigres in Mexico, for example. That I would be so, so game for. And again, they're going to have the budget. And if Apple asks for any like bottle episodes, like I would be, I don't know if we will. I don't, it would have to be like a bottle episode. Um, I would be super game for flashback episodes. I don't even know if it would have to be a bottle episode. Like the thing about last season's bottle episodes is they were done with the writing. And that's when Ted Lasso started getting really popular is they had already finished that. I think they'll probably just build out the story more into more episodes. But I think like if they dive into his storyline at all, that it would make a lot of sense. I love that idea. I also, I really, really want to see Ted coaching college football whether it's in the finale and we're seeing a future shot where he's like back in America, great. Or whether it's a flashback, I have to see it. I have to see Ted coach college football. I have to. It's a shame that he was coaching D2 college football. I know. Um, they, they say that Wichita State was D2 because it'd be really funny if he was a coach from like an SEC team and you'd loop in like your boy Lane to be on the opposite sideline and have yeah. some sort of flashback with that. That would be that would be a lot of fun. But I would I would love to see um flashback episodes of some sort i don't know i don't really i it's pretty much ted or i would like to see some stuff with danny i don't know if anyone else um i would love to see how beard started going by beard that would be interesting to me he's always um, gonna be a mystery i think yeah they yeah. they like yeah. that i think with keely too like we delved into her a little more this season we're but we're still seeing a lot of present things we don't know much about her family we don't know much about her motivations. We don't know, you know, like we just don't know her origin story for lack of a better word. Cause I don't think everything needs an origin story, but the show is focused so much on its main characters and showing not just how they were raised, but also like in Higgins's case, how they raise people, like how they are in their family dynamics. We don't see that from Keely. And so I'm hoping to that, whether it's a flashback or if we just finally get to meet some of her family and get some sort of insight into where she came from, why she is the way she is. I don't know. I really want that. Mm -hmm. Chris also asked how depressed will you be once the series comes to an end? I'm sad just thinking about it. Yeah. Same. I, I will be, this will be one of the, like, 
I was upset when Game of Thrones came to an end, but like because of how it came to an end, this one will be like one of those series that it's like like family members leaving. Yeah. I mean, I think too, because this show is like helped us not, well, I'll say that for me. I'm not going to say us for everybody, like helped me navigate COVID because of the timing of it. Yeah. I mean, the timing was perfect for that. I think, I think a lot of people see are in that same space. Yeah. And I feel like hopefully hope to God that by the time season three comes and goes, we will be through the worst of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that will have an effect on people that they maybe don't even expect. Um, Yeah, I think I'll be sad, but I also just really love a good story. I'll be sad the way that I'm sad when I finish a good book or watch a good movie. I don't think I'll be depressed. You never know, though. I don't want to say that. I won't. But I think, again, I there's nothing I hate more than seeing a story either abruptly finished just because of the nature of TV and things getting canceled or when it's being you know, dragged out unnecessarily. When you look at a show like Friends, which I loved, by the way, Friends is great, but it didn't have, obviously it's not Ted Lasso. It didn't have these storylines that were just so like consuming that we had to know how they ended. You had like romantic storylines, you know, but you weren't, it was very surface level. So people could watch as long as they did because of that. I think this, if it ends with season three, truly ends with season three it'll be sad but it'll be right and it'll be good to go back and rewatch it again well on on that that friend subject i guess uh patron mike d he said he one of his predictions is roy and keely live happily ever after they have some bumps in the road in season three but it ends with this this ends with them being this generation's ross and rachel from friends now i did not i did not watch friends as you did you know cover to cover uh my wife did um i have watched a lot of friends episodes just my wife turns it on i watch i feel like i am i am all i think roy and keely live happily ever after too i'm 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 putting out the my prediction that i think that they end the show together i feel like they are more generally beloved than ross and rachel especially ross uh yeah i think and i totally understand what mike was saying there by the way so i don't want to like diminish what he was saying It makes sense. However, if you were like a diehard fan of the show, you would probably say you'd want them to be this generation's Monica and Chandler because they were actually well-adjusted and healthy and went through um, natural ebbs and flows of relationships. Whereas Ross and Rachel were ridiculous. Like it was just (laughs) toxic, but I get it again. Like I grew up watching it. So at the time, Ross and Rachel were so romantic, kind of like Carrie and Big. Um, I think the most wonderful thing about Keely and Roy, and I was actually talking to our good friend, Adam Amin about this today, is we're seeing how a couple can evolve and still choose each other. Because Adam made the terrible remark, which I firmly disagree with, that they broke up at the end of last season. I'm like, no, she chose both of them. And balance looks like a lot of things. We talk about like work-life balance or anything else. And we think that's us effortlessly like giving just enough time for work every day and having time for the kids and having time for the laundry and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't always look like that. Sometimes it looks like your boy going off on vacation so you can focus on your new exciting job. And sometimes it looks like I'm going to give 80% to my job and 20% to you right now. And it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It means that I want to build a life with you. And we just have to do this right now for 
you know, a set amount of time. I know some people will disagree with me on that and that's fine. That's just the way I see things. And so I think even though I love all of the romantic stuff with Roy and Keeley, I love that more. Just it's very realistic. Like love isn't enough to overcome like a lot of things that life demands out of us. I think ultimately when you're in a relationship with somebody, even if it's a friendship, it's not just romantic. You want that person to be the best version of themselves. And sometimes that means you, you have to take a back seat, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it permanent. It just means you have to find a way to make that work for both of you to where you don't lose yourselves. And so I love that about them. Yeah. I, I mean, potentially my favorite couple on TV right now. They're just, they're just great. Um, well, Mike also had Mike D also had, I gotta, I gotta specify cause we have a Mike D and a Mike Drees who we're about to get to Mike D also had a prediction. Um, AFC Richmond loses to West Ham United early in season three, devastating Rebecca and fueling Nate's ego. But then AFC Richmond comes back to beat them later in the season when the stakes are higher. Um, I think that, so that from Mike D and the same thing from, um, Kevin Frost, he had a prediction, uh, the end is the end of season three's premier league championship coming down to Richmond West Ham. Um, he, he predicts the Richmond boys beating Nate in the championship, maybe after losing the first two to them in the season. So I guess they I guess they play twice, which of course you and me premier league experts, naturally uh, you know, we we knew that <laughs> um and then mike drees also said his hopeful prediction is nate realizes how loved he was by ted and the team and comes back and, and the prodigal son has returned greyhound tail between his legs kind of way so that's that's basically that's three kind of predictions all in the similar same vein of richmond gets the better of west ham on the field at the end and nate some sort of you know blow to his ego some sort of remorse it's kind of really the prediction of where do we think this is going to come down on the field where do we think it's going to come down to nate the one thing that the show has laid the breadcrumbs with a couple times as far as on-field performance is we keep getting told that richmond has never won a, a trophy of, of any sort and i think there are a couple but they have never never won one yeah i i don't know it's hard for me to lean into the idea I think all of that is totally plausible and true, by the way. I don't think like the ultimate climax of the season or the season finale is going to be a game. I just don't. And if it is, it's not going to, I don't think it'll be in a traditional who's going to beat who kind of way. Um, But again, I have no basis for that. That's just my feelings. (laughs) It's just like what I, you know, because this show focuses so little on the game itself and everything that's happening outside of it. I do think that's the natural way to set it up. We've all seen enough sports movies that we know it's going to happen that way. Right. Um, And I have no doubt that they'll do that. I just don't know if that will be as definitive as, as say season one, you know, where everything came down to that last moment and they ended up losing. And we put so much emphasis into that moment of like, that was when a lot of things shifted for them, but yeah. I mean, I think it's a good theory. I mean, again, like we don't know what's going to happen. So I definitely see there's going to be natural tension between the teams, definitely between um, Rupert and Rebecca and Nate and Ted. I'm just curious as to how it'll play out off the field, you know, like what's going to happen outside of it. Cause I mean, you could argue any rivalry is tough, but what is going to make that so personal for everyone? You know, I don't know if it's a meeting, if it's like, cause you know, they had a funeral, bring them all together. 
you know, like Rupert comes back because of a funeral, what's going to be the personal thing outside of the game that brings about the tension and hopefully the resolution and everything else. I don't know. Yeah. And I think we're kind of in the camp that they'll redeem. I think you sent me that text about like, you're basically done with Nate until they inevitably redeem him. (laughs) And the thing is redemption. So, uh, so what Mike Drees said is, you know, Nate coming back with his tail between his legs. I don't think that's a win for us as a, I'm not sure that's a win for us as a viewer like that. That probably doesn't feel like if Nate just comes back and he's just a pity party. And I'm sorry, like I, and I think for Ted, I think Ted needs to, what will make Ted happy too is not just Nate coming back and saying he's sorry. Cause Nate, Nate does have some shit to apologize for. And I think, I think it'd be disappointed. I'd be disappointed if he didn't at least say like, Hey man, I'm sorry I ripped your sign. Yeah. Or called you a fucking joke or one of those things. But Nate, redemption for Nate also is is some confidence in his own skin because he still doesn't have that. Yeah. He's got ego, but he has no real confidence. And that would be if if Ted can, you know, know that Nate can stand on his own two feet and be proud of himself in a real, in a healthy way, I think that's where redemption comes in for Nate. If Nate can they can find a way to turn Nate into a, like a stable human being. Cause right now he's not at all. Yeah. Well, I think it's clear Nate needs therapy, which everyone does. So that's not an insult or a slight, you know, about mental health treatment. Uh, Men will literally call their mentor a fucking <laughs> joke and take a new job to avoid going to therapy. I love that joke. I just love that joke so much. Um, yeah. But clearly Nate derives all of his, you know, the way he feels about himself, all, all of his security and insecurity from opinions of people he doesn't even know. So we've talked about it a little bit before. When you create content at all on the internet and you use social networks to promote that or your work is being passed around, you're opening yourself up to just intense criticism. And again, constructive criticism is a great thing. You know, like people who take the time to email me and say, I wish you had looked at this from a different perspective, or here's another side of your argument. I love that. People who have been willing to look at my writing and give me pointers like are game changers. Yeah, exactly. And it it opens the dialogue. It it changes you as a creator or writer. But we also know that those tools are used, you know, for a lot of harm just because hurt people hurt people. And to see Nate so affected by these strangers on Twitter, which was a perfect tool to use, by the way, because who among us, um, it was devastating because like, we've all been like young writers. We've all been there where you care much more about the one stupid idiot in your mentions who's telling you how dumb you are and how ugly you are, whatever. We care so much about that and totally ignore the 10 people who are like, hey, I really like this or hey, I thought this was good he's going to have to get to a point where he can love himself and know that he's worthy of being loved. And that's the thing. He's got to think he's worth it because when we just say things like love yourself, well, if you don't think you're worthy of love, you can't just love yourself because you're convinced you you don't deserve it. And that's why, like, I don't know how they tackle all of that one season where he has to go from being completely, you know, evil and mean and mad and resentful unless, you know, it's not going to happen magically, I guess. I, and I hope they don't 
make it happen in like a moment where he realizes the error of his ways, you have to do the work to get over the trauma. And clearly he's had a lot of trauma that's repressed and it's starting to come out, starting to manifest in different ways. I hope that they show some sort of work there to bring him back if they're going to bring him back. Yeah, my guy, Aaron Figueroa, patron Aaron Figueroa, he said, I don't really want a Nate Redemption story because he doesn't deserve it. Ted is the epitome of someone wanting to do right by everyone and owns up to his shortcomings, and Nate went right ahead and shit all over him. Totally fair assessment. Yeah. Because Nate, I mean, Nate wronged us all as viewers. He did. Um, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah, because the thing was, Nate is like the it's like the Tyra Banks meme like the we were all rooting for you because we were because like Rupert like has he's sucked from day one like you know we haven't liked that but it is it's gonna like you said it's gonna take I mean and I have no doubt if the show wants to redeem Nate they will figure out how to perfectly redeem Nate it I have no zero doubts about it that they will make me eat my own words about not liking Nate and all that stuff um Aaron also had a one of his points, which is something that I had kind of forgotten about in the second half of the season. Why have we never seen the infamous Roy retirement speech in full? They had to have they had to have filmed it. You would think, right? They they filmed they they wrote up a speech and and filmed it and him going through that entire thing. Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, what's funny about it is, and I know they had to do it this way to make the whole thing funny, especially with her masturbating to it. It was so cartoonish the way he was crying. Like, I don't know if I'd want to see the full thing because it's it's not natural. Like, it's meant to be a punchline of, oh, I love this. You're vulnerable. And he's like, <laughs> like it's really, it's like the, uh, what is it? The, in Elf, the thing that, I forget which animal it is, but there's an animal that starts crying when Buddy has to leave. He's like, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that is exactly how Roy cried. And so, but I agree. Like, it would be, Again, we always talk about these um, hypothetical DVD extras. There's so much stuff I want to see that I hope eventually they release somehow. And that's one of them. I agree. The Ted Lasso 15 disc box set. Would Sign buy Sign me up. Yeah. Would pre-order, would, would buy like the special, you know, designed edition everything. Um, Mike D also said, Ted and Rebecca, prediction, Ted and Rebecca find true love. I don't think with each other, but I don't think they end season three without finding their true love and being in a healthy relationship. I would lean more towards them giving Rebecca a healthy relationship than Ted a healthy relationship. Not saying Ted would be in like an unhealthy relationship, but I think I I would be, and I would like to see more Rebecca find someone. I It makes me sad to think of Rebecca being alone. Yeah, I mean, I think... I again, I like how they ended the season where it wasn't about Rebecca and Sam. Like clearly that was a storyline that happened, but they didn't leave us hanging for like, what's going to happen to them. I could, it could make total sense that they go into next season with them just being friends. Um, And maybe they have some like moments of tension. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to play that. I would like to see the same thing for her mainly because, and this is where Roy's speech comes into play. It's so easy when you've been in an abusive relationship to fall for, and I'm doing air quotes right now, fall for the first person who's nice to you, regardless of how you feel about them. It doesn't make them a bad person. It just means when you've been hurt so much and someone's just good to you, you kind of ignore the, I'm not really that attracted to them, or I don't really, there's not a spark. I'm not being struck by lightning. 
or maybe I don't communicate with them as well, but they're so nice. And I think seeing her get past that and realize like she's deserving of the love she wants, if she's willing to wait for it or not settle for something else. Yeah. I think we all want that for Rebecca. That would come full circle. I'm interested and I don't want to, I don't want to make it a spoiler because I'm sure you're going to bring it up. And I can't remember which patron brought this up, but this theory that potentially Ted could end up with his ex-wife again is very interesting to me. Which one was that? Who said that? That was, I think that was, that was Aaron. Aaron said uh, he had some predictions for season three. He said, Ted resigns and Roy takes over. That's got to be a slam dunk. And after big win, he proposed to Keely in the final scene of the show. Uh, and then is the final scene of the show is Roy and Keeley's wedding with Phoebe as flower girl and Ted with son and wife sitting there. So the one thing with that is we listen, Ted, Ted and son for sure. Like that's a relationship. That's something that has to get ironed out in season three, because that's something that's, that's, um, that's, that's deep inner turmoil for Ted with ex-wife in, the in the finale which is the episode that i have watched the most recent because i rewatched a couple of them but the finale is the last one i watched when he is um he's she texts him to say you know checking in on him and stuff like that and then she says the thing oh well you're joking so you must be fine um that leads us to believe that he never really let her in on any of this stuff that is and she you know like everyone else kind of thought that um, you know, that, that all this joking and stuff was, you know, that that's Ted, that, that means he's normal. That means he's fine. And, and really we've learned that's as much of a, as a defense mechanism as anything. Um, I think I would love to see them form a healthy co-parenting relationship. Cause I think there's definitely, there's gotta be, I mean, that's, that's the number one thing. Like when you when you're not with the person who you've had a child with, you got to figure out how you're going to get that under control. And that's probably even harder from, you know, 4,000 miles away. So I would, I don't know. What do you, what do you think as far as Ted and ex-wife Here, Michelle? Here's my thing. And I'm not a hopeless romantic when it comes to this stuff, because I do believe in healthy co-parenting relationships. I do believe in not torturing yourself as a couple to stay with each other because you feel like you owe something to somebody. But I also think that that text you bring up, that it it does leave the potential for she doesn't know him as well as she thinks she does. There's potential for him to come to her with all of his growth and everything and to finally open up and say the reason, and I don't know if this is like the case, I'm just saying potentially, the reasons we didn't work is because you weren't really with me. You're with the version of me that I wanted to show you because I thought that's what I had to show you to keep you. You know, like it's not a thing that I don't think it's a failure at all if they don't end up together, but I do think they're not in any hurry to put him with somebody. Like he's got his little, his little nights with sassy. We love it. Yeah. He he needed that. And we don't see like a foundation being built there. And so I at least like the possibility, I guess, of, you know, even if it's just maybe not them like happily ever after getting remarried or whatever, but even just the possibility of ending it with like, maybe they consider trying it again. I don't think split couples should do that universally, but in their case, like 
it wasn't an abusive relationship. It wasn't, they didn't wrong each other in the traditional ways. He just needed a lot of help. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's the trick. I don't know. I'm not saying I want it. I'm just saying I'm interested. Maybe a different couples counselor for them. Yeah. Maybe it's Dr. Sharon. Yeah. Maybe, maybe try that out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly not going to say no. I don't want to, you know, not going to say I don't want to see it. But um, yeah, I, there's just there's so much to unpack. I saw they had the at the season three rap party recently. So whoever's in the editing room, get to chopping that shit up, <laughs> and, and I need it sooner rather than later. God, I can't even imagine what we're in for. Yeah, same. Well. Um, big thanks to all the patrons who have one joined the Patreon. You all are awesome. And two contributed to episodes like this, uh, the patrons choice episodes, voting in the polls, stuff like that. I love hearing what you guys think about, about movies and it gives us stuff to talk to and, um, really, really letting the, letting the patrons steer the ship from here on out for the most part. Um, Alex, it was great to, to get on a podcast with you again after, you know, like a month. Like, I don't know what, it's been a while. you know. It has. It's crazy. Wait, before we end, we have to go back to the patron who wrongly accused me. Oh, that's right. Bring okay. this up and then we end it. Yes. Okay. So Mike Dries, uh said, Alex missed on Ted being gone at the beginning of season three. That was me. That was I, Kyle uh, who I said predict- that. I predicted that Ted would end the season no longer with AFC Richmond. I was wrong. Very wrong. Good. Uh, so I'm glad you're Mike, that, that was me. I was I was wrong. I'm not sure I had a correct take, if we're being honest. I think I threw some stuff against the wall. And I don't think anything stuck. I think what probably happened, I need to go back and listen, is you probably gave that theory. I was probably trying to be like, I mean, I could see it happening, but like I didn't You're good at gassing like, up theories. Like you'll make you'll make people feel good about their theories. Yeah, it's like maybe it could happen, but no, you've had correct takes. I just wanted it on the record. That I never said that. That's all. That is, that is correct. <laughs> that's a good way. That's a good way to end this one. Uh, Alex, tell the folks again where they can follow you. Um, we're doing lots of exciting stuff at For the Win, ftw.usatoday.com. You can follow us on Twitter at For the Win and all other platforms at For the Win. And we're having a blast and making lots of content. So come on by. Go check that out. And uh, we will be hearing from Alex very soon on this podcast, like month of December soon. Ooh. Stuff in the works. We'll leave it at that. If you if you want to know what's in the works, go join the Patreon because they'll know before you know if you are a non, non-patron. non uh, If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple podcast, go leave a five-star rating and a review. If you're a baseball fan, check out From Phenom to the Farm. That's my interview series presented by Baseball America. I'm talking to uh, tomorrow, talking to World Series, 1991 World Series hero Gene Larkin. Uh, that is a, a big one for me personally as a Minnesota Twins fan. Great episode talking the World Series and stuff like that. So check that out. And uh, next week, we are talking, what are we doing next week? I don't know. Join the Patreon. You'll find out. I'll, I'll post it there. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for listening. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.